God has literally stopped the world. The word scattered seems like a great fit for the moment that we find ourselves in, doesn't it? What could God be doing in the chaos of the coronavirus? This is a unique moment. And so what do we do now? We challenge you, um, take back your faith in a very particular way. Take back your family. Take back your friendships. We need to get back to the basics of life. And so we are continuing our series on back to the basics. Uh, in this time of the coronavirus, God has stopped us. And so we want to use this time to develop some new rhythms. And when this season of pause is over, we want to bring those new rhythms with us. Uh, there are three life basics in our Back to the Basics series. We're addressing one of those each week. Last week, we focused on uh, enjoying this fourth forced Sabbath. And this morning, we're going to challenge ourselves to take back our family and friends. Uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 15. Um, the Gospel of John, it's the fourth book in the New Testament after Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And what we do here at TFRC is we stand for the Scripture reading because we believe it is the Word of God. And so if you're at home, if you're on the couch or on the floor, um, if you're able, I'm just going to ask you to stand and uh, we will read from John 15, verses uh, 9 to 15. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you, and now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You can go ahead and have a seat. Back to the couch. Back to the couch. <laughs> or floor, or bed, whatever. In the last month, a new phrase has been added to our vocabulary. That new phrase is social distancing. The CDC is telling us, uh, the government's telling us, some of our parents are telling us, <laughs> and many others are telling us that we need to practice this thing called social distancing. distancing. Six feet apart, people. Like That's what we're supposed to do. Um, it reminds me of... My years as a youth pastor, we had this thing called the six-inch rule. It was this person, that person, and room for Jesus in the middle. And it's just like that this time around, six feet. Now, for many of us, social distancing was greeted as, well, not entirely the worst news, right? Uh, for many of us, social distancing was seen as perhaps good news. Uh, the internet filled up with amazing memes about social distancing. You meme people know what I'm talking about. Um, I actually found three of them 
that I want you to see this morning because I think that they fit so perfectly uh, with this moment that we find ourselves in. Check out this one. Um, Introverts be like, social distancing is my favorite introverts. You know what we're talking about, right? (laughs) I I love Elf. It's great. Will Ferrell's great. And then the second one, it's all about work. We might get to work from home. Amazing news. Absolutely (laughs) amazing news. This is just the best. And this is my favorite. This next one is because it's probably how you're dressed this morning, and that is awesome. I love that. You know, we all thought social distancing would be amazing. And folks, that was weeks ago at this point. Actually, it wasn't even weeks ago. It's been like 10, 11 days. It just seems like it's been weeks. It's true. It's been like 11 (laughs) days, not two weeks ago. And now reality is beginning to sink in. Uh, Perhaps we're beginning to come to the realization that this social distancing thing isn't as awesome as we first thought it might be. I mean, do you remember the days when you'd go to a restaurant and you'd step inside and you'd sit down and eat the food there? It's amazing. That used to happen back in the day. Um, or, Or those days where you'd go and you'd spend time in another person's house and just hang out together. That was a thing people used to do. It's amazing. Or, or there was these gyms where people would exercise together in these other buildings. Or there was book clubs. Or there was these things called concerts where like thousands of people mm. would gather together and then they would sing songs together and stuff. Do you, I don't know if you guys remember that at this point. It's been a while. <laughs> or do you remember th- there was that moment where on Sundays we'd come into this space together and actually worship in person, right? Um, in the Facebook conversation, if you're open uh, to that, go ahead and let us know. What are you missing right now because of this social distancing thing? Where is it beginning to hit you? Because for many of us, it, it's, it's hitting us now. See, the season of social distancing is revealing a lot of things to us, like just how much in-person relationships actually matter to us. They really matter. Like how necessary relationships are. That community, we actually all long for community at least at some level, and we're seeing that in this moment. <clears throat> And this week, we wanted to talk about taking back our family and taking back our friends. You see, this season of social distancing is reminding us just how important friends and family are in our lives. And it's revealing something else, too. It's revealing, yes, family and friends are important, but it's also revealing what is the quality of our relationships with our friends and our families. You know, for some of us, This season has been a season of social distancing and a ton of people have called and texted and contacted and we have never been more in touch with folks in this season. And then there's others of us where it's revealing, wow, I really have not invested in relationships. You know, in the passage that we just read from John chapter 15, Jesus calls his disciples friends and Jesus makes a distinction between a servant and a friend. And those are significantly different relationships. Uh, Jesus called his disciples to follow him, but Jesus didn't want them to simply follow as servants. He wanted their friendship. And the Bible, it's all about relationships. Uh, If you go back to the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 2, and you can turn there if you have your Bibles um, with you right now. But in Genesis 2, it introduces the very first problem in all of Scripture. And if I were to ask you, what was the first not good thing in the Bible, uh, many of you would answer with something like um, eating fruit off of a tree or something like that. And if that would be your answer, well, you'd be wrong. 
Uh, Genesis 2.18 reveals the first problem in Scripture, and it says, The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. All throughout the creation account in Genesis 1, after God creates something, it says, and God saw that it was good. And now here in Genesis 2, God says something is not good. And this is the first time that God says something is not good. It is not good for the man to be alone. And what is significant about this is this is before the first sin. This is before Adam and Eve eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You see, the first problem in the Bible isn't sin. It's solitude. And this is a big deal. Sin is an enormous problem, but it wasn't the first problem. The first problem in the Bible isn't sin. It's solitude. And so God says, I will make a helper. And it's easy to interpret that word helper as someone who's like a servant, someone who is below us, who assists us. But the Hebrew word for helper is a word called ezer. And an ezer is not a servant. An ezer helping relationship is much more than that. 80% of the time when the word ezer is used in the Bible, it's referring to God. Uh, some of you know the psalm that says, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? Where does my help, in Hebrew, my ezer, come from? And the answer to that is God. God is our primary ezer. But God isn't our servant. God is our helper. God is our ezer because he cares about us and he is connected to us. And that is what an Ezer is. It's someone who deeply cares about us and is connected to us. And God says it is not good for us to be alone. We are created to have Ezers in our lives, people who are deeply connected and concerned about us. And folks, that's family and friends. You know, uh, you used a Hebrew word. I'm going to use two just to trump okay, you. Okay, you're going to one-up me. All right. That's exactly right. Okay. Uh, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, uh, the Hebrew, there's two words in Hebrew for, that get translated as friend. Uh, the first is the Hebrew word re'a. Like if a teenager said re'a from Star Wars, they would say re'a. You know, that's re'a. And re'a means friend or companion or neighbor. It's often used to describe a relationship with another person um, that is due to the circumstances that we find ourselves in. A rea relationship is a relationship of convenience, like a neighbor or a coworker or a friend of a friend, something like that. But there's another word that gets translated as friend in the Old Testament, and that other word is achev. Now, when you're speaking Hebrew, and there's that H word, if spit doesn't come out when you say it, it's achev. Achev. It's exactly achev. right. Okay, it's exactly it. right. Achev. And, and achev is a totally different kind of relationship than a rea relationship in the Bible. And achev means friend or ally or dear loved one and sometimes even lover. It gets kind of intense sometimes. An achev relationship or friendship 
is the kind of friendship where, where there's no pretense in our lives toward this person, where there's no posturing at all, where the filter has been completely removed. We can say whatever we want to say, and we can know, and we can trust that this person is going to stay with us and be with us through all of it. It's a deep, intimate friendship where a deep, uh, mutual care and concern and love is present for one another. Um, in fact, in the Bible, in the book of Isaiah, the word achev is used of Abraham's friendship with God. It's really interesting. Uh, look at this. It should be on the screen. It says, But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend, it says. That word, friend, is the Hebrew word achev. Abraham had a powerfully deep and intimate friendship with God. And you see, <laughs> this social distancing is demonstrating what kind of relationships we currently have with our families and with our friends. Do we have rea relationships predominantly? Or do we have those achev relationships in our lives? Relationships of convenience or those deep, meaningful relationships? And I think the question that we all should be grappling with in this moment is, well, what kind of relationships are being revealed in my life right now in this social distancing moment that we find ourselves? Am I experiencing deep and meaningful relationships right now? Or am I learning the painful reality that I really don't have any of them? I just have relationships of convenience or proximity. No, and in the Bible, one great example of a have relationship is between two guys in the Old Testament, David and Jonathan. David, who would become king of Israel, and Jonathan, who at the time was the son of the current king of Israel, uh, King Saul in that moment. And 1 Samuel 18, 1, it says this about them. It says, as soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Now, um, during the coronavirus, having more time in my hands, I've taken up um, a new hobby, uh, knitting. Uh, I started knitting this blanket here. And um, uh, it's, this is about 100 hours worth of work. Um, now, if you know me, you know that I'm completely making this up. Uh, I don't know how to knit at all. I don't know anything about knitting. I thought these were chopsticks. Um, I don't even know. This fell out of my basket. I don't know what this thing here has to do with knitting at all. So obviously, I don't know much. But in that uh, passage where it says their souls were knitted together, I can't let John have more Hebrew words than me. The word there is kashar, and kashar is this interwoven connection. Um, again, and if you look closely at this, this is actually a scarf that Becca Austin is knitting. I had nothing to do with it. But if you look closely at this, you can see the interwoven connections. This is not something that's been glued together. It's been yarn that's been interwoven and has formed these bonds that are not easily broken. And these kinds of bonds are the essence of an ahev kind of relationship, an interwoven relational connection. You know, even before the coronavirus struck, um, America statistically 
was on a downward spiral when it came to relationships. Um, chronic loneliness was skyrocketing. It's been on the rise. And people's relationships have been dwindling in this country. Um, recently, I was at a conference and the speaker actually spoke about this. And he said something interesting. He said, there was a survey done, I don't know, 15 years ago. They surveyed Americans asking how many close friendships they had. And the answer was three three close relationships the average American had. And then later, about a decade later, they did the exact same study uh, again, and the results were staggering. In, in a 10-year period, Americans went from having an average of three relationships that were deep relationships to zero. Zero. Most Americans today say that they do not have a single close friendship in their life. Not one. And so the social distancing thing that we're experiencing is only piling onto a bad situation for us. And what's happening here, right? Like why is it that, that we tend to not have really deep relationships in our lives anymore? Well, sharing from personal experience, and I've got a lot of personal experience of failing in relationships, um, I think it's three things, for me at least. Maybe, maybe you can resonate with these. I have a very hard time being vulnerable to others. It is very difficult for me to do that. Um, two, I have this deep sense of individualism where if I find that I have to rely on anyone else in any significant way at all, I see that as failure and it bothers me significantly. So relying on other people, I, I don't want to do that. I'm like, you know, like Batman. He can do it on his own, you know? When I think of you, I think of Batman. John. I know you do. absolutely right. Then there's that third one. I fear rejection. What if I let myself get close to another person and the relationship fails? What about that? And it falls apart. That kind of pain is something that I try to avoid. You know, if you're thinking about your life, you're like, man, I just, I, I really don't have any deep relationships. What is it for you? What's holding that back for you? You know, um, these kind of relationships, they're just hard. They take a lot of work and effort, and yet God has designed us to thrive in relationship. Uh, the kind of relationships we've been unpacking this morning, the knitted together, bonded together relationships, um, you know, there are just many things we are not meant to do alone. Uh, for example, we are going to face adversity. And in this time of the virus, lots of us are facing all kinds of adversity. But we are designed to face adversity together. Uh, Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Another example is that God has created us to grow. We're born as babies, and we grow from there. And growth is really never expected to stop. God wants us to continue to develop our skills and our abilities and our knowledge uh, to become better people. And we are designed to do that together. Our relationships are meant to make us better people. As it says in Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And we all have shortcomings. We all have weak spots. Uh, we all have things that we struggle with, and we are expected to overcome these things, but we are never expected to overcome them alone. We are designed to overcome 
our shortcomings and weaknesses together. As it says in Proverbs 27, verses 5 and 6, better is an open rebuke than hidden love, and wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Okay. Can you tell us what kisses means? Um, no, I'm not going there. I don't know if it's Hershey's Kisses or what, but no, I'm just going to leave that alone. Um, there are so many reasons why we put energy into our, uh, or why we don't put energy into our relationships. And I get it. I'm the same way. Many of the things that John said, uh, that all applies to me. And I feel really good about my family relationships, but I'm, I'm just not real good at the friendship thing. I'm just not. Uh, but there is so much that we miss when we forego developing the kinds of relationships God has designed us for. It is not good for when we do not have deeply knitted bonds. You know, this season is the perfect opportunity to take back your relationships with your family and with your friends. And I get it. It's a weird season. There's this social distancing that we have to be a part of. Many of us are just locked away in our homes. But, but perhaps you're seeing a pattern here where, where wow, like I, I, I just don't have a lot of deep friendships. Perhaps that's what God is showing you. And perhaps in this season where it's weird because of social distancing, God is saying, well, Maybe it's time to step up to the plate and do something about that. Make some phone calls. Do something. You see, there's only one real way as people of faith uh, to take back our relationships in our lives. There's only one way to begin developing those ahev relationships, those deeply meaningful relationships. You see, in the New Testament, Jesus gives us the answer for how to cultivate and develop deep relationships with our friends and our families. And he says it in our scripture reading this morning. Um, if you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up to, back to John chapter 15. And then take a look at verse 12 here a second. I want to show you what Jesus says. Now listen to this. He says, my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus says, if we want deep relationships in our lives, the only way to do that, to get there, is to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus says that the deepest relationships are forged through sacrifice. And Jesus wasn't just one to say, hey, this is how you're supposed to live your life. Go get it done. He was, he was a servant leader. He, he taught by example. You know, Jesus would utter these words in, in John 15. And, and it wasn't long after he would do that, that he would find himself at a cross just like this. And he'd be hanging on this cross. And I am sure that as he hung there, he saw his friends and he saw his family watching him die on this cross. And I'm sure that they remembered what Jesus said. You want to know what friendship really looks like is you have to sacrifice for it. And that's what I'm doing for you, Jesus says. And folks, that's true for you and that's true for me as well. Jesus went to a cross to show us, to demonstrate a deep, a relationship with us. 
And you see, if we want relationships in our lives to look deeply like that, we have to experience what that relationship with Jesus looks like. And when we get a taste of a relationship like that, oh man, will we want to give it to the rest of the world. We want to share that with the rest of the world. Now, in case you're wondering, um, deep relationships with our families and our friends is not easy. It's painfully messy. And God calls us to enter those relationships and to lay down our lives for our friends and for our family. And, And perhaps you're in one of those seasons where your relationships are lacking or, or, or they're broken, or they're hurting, or they're simply non-existent for you. Perhaps, perhaps, Jesus is calling you to bear a cross like he did and lay down your life for your friends. And it hurts. It's painful. You know, this is a moment of faith for us. It's uh, Jesus died so that we could be friends. And again, we're going to have to take steps of faith. He made a great sacrifice for us. Uh, John's going to be leading services Friday. He talked about it earlier. That's going to revisit Jesus' sacrifice. But Jesus suffered and died because he believed it was worth it. Jesus believed relationship was worth the sacrifice. And the question for us is, do we? Do you? Do you believe deep-knitted relationships are worth the sacrifice. We have to be willing to be hurt and to forgive and to be humble and make all sorts of sacrifice for it to work out. And do you believe it's worth it? Because it's going to require a step of faith. And maybe you need to take a step of faith and pick a relationship to invest in. Uh, Maybe there's a friend or family member that you want to invest in. Or maybe there's someone you just need to identify who you think would be a good friend and start investing in them. Uh, Maybe you need to take a step of faith and take the initiative. Uh, Don't wait for someone to come to you. You go to them and start spending time and invest in the relationship. And maybe you need to take a step of faith and be there for someone in time of adversity. A whole lot of us are going through all kinds of adversity right now. And so who is, there, who is a family member or a friend who's going through something difficult and you could be there for them? Uh, maybe you need to take a step of faith and forgive someone. You know, we tend to idealize relationships. We have this perfect picture of what they should be, where we always get along, that we never have conflict, and that's just not reality. You can't have a relationship, at least not a deeply knitted one, and not be hurt by it at some point. Now, I'm not saying, you know, to stay in abusive relationships or anything like that. That's not my message here. But I am saying that all relationships need forgiveness if they are going to last. They just do. And this isn't easy. It's going to come with a cost. But you and I are designed by our Creator to live in deeply knitted relationships. It is not good for us to be alone. Please pray with me. Jesus, we thank you that you were willing to die to have a relationship with us, that you see us as being worth that. 
And Lord, I would ask that you would help each of us identify a relationship that we need to invest in. Lord, help us take the initiative. Um, Help us be there for one another. Help us forgive as you forgave us. And it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, as the service concludes, um, there is a conversation in the Facebook that you can be a part of. We have folks on the staff that would be happy to hang out with you for the next 15, 20 minutes, a half an hour, and just chat and talk and catch up and see how you are doing. Um, Also, we have a prayer wall here at TFRC, and perhaps you have a prayer that you'd love to stick in that wall. What you can do is just type it into the Facebook conversation or send an email to me or Pastor Chuck. There's also a place where you can do that on TFRC. Webpage as well. And what we'll do is we'll take that, we'll write it down for you, and we'll put it in the wall for you. Now, uh, how many eggs have you found? Because I forgot about this one. So hopefully, this is your 12th. Why don't you stand for the blessing? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord raise his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen? Have a good week.